0: Hello, and welcome to the Boss Up podcast, episode 194. Now, this month here at Boss Up, I've been talking a lot about negotiation and earning more in the year ahead. And I'm gearing up for our live negotiation workshop that I'm hosting this Wednesday night. It is very intimate, space is super limited, and you will get live real-time coaching and practice and workshopping your negotiation strategy with me. So if that's of interest to you, learn more at the details in the show notes and go to bossedup.org slash negotiation live. But a big part of thinking about negotiating as a woman this month has reminded me about all the drama surrounding female breadwinners, right? Breadwinner means you're the one who's bringing home the majority of the bacon. I'm a proud female breadwinner. Brad's a proud spouse of a female breadwinner. Like Brad is my teammate for life. So we champion one another other. And, you know, earning money is something we both celebrate together as we contribute to our our family's bottom line. So I was interested in talking more about this with one of the women I admire so much in the world of personal finance, and that is Bola Sokundi. Bola is a certified financial education instructor, money expert, CEO, and best selling author and founder of Clever Girl Finance. She's spoken in the past at Bossed Up Bootcamp and has a really incredible story of how she and her partner are raising twin babies and contributing to their family's bottom line together. She also learned how to up her earnings in a major way over the past decade. And that's allowed her to save a ton of money and further her goals and her family's goals and even her children's college goals for when they grow up. They're just six years old now and she's already saving a ton of money for their college education. Bola, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Welcome to Bossed Up. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk with you. I feel like this time of year, a lot of folks are getting clear on their goals for the year ahead. And for so many of us, that includes increasing our earnings and getting our financial lives together, really making that commitment this year. It's part of the reason why here at Bossed Up, I'm working on helping as many women as I can negotiate for more through our negotiation workshop later this week and the free negotiation. Uh, step-by-step guide that we released earlier this month. And I'm wondering from your experience in your career, but also as a financial educator, what has increasing your salary meant to you and and how have you navigated that in the past?
1: So for me, increasing my salary has been asking for more, more of everything. (laughs) So I remember getting my first job and just being really excited about the offer. I got an offer for $54,000 and it didn't even cross my mind to negotiate. I just said, yes, i was happy. You know, I was rich, I was making all this money. <laughs> <laughs> months into, you know, starting that job, going to lunch with friends, people, co-workers who had then become friends and just talking about, you know, salary and compensation, which you're not supposed to do, but we're doing it anyway. And I came to find out that I was making the least amount of money compared to everybody else. Some mm. people were $2,000 more than me. Some people were making $10,000 more than me. And these were all people that were in the exact same role and started on the exact same day as me at this big company that we worked for. And wow. that completely aggravated me because at the time I had no idea that I could even, you know, it, I didn't, it didn't cross my mind to ask. So the next job, you know, I went to, that I applied for, I went and prepared. And ever since then, I have negotiated everything from my salary to my bonus, to my vacation, to my computer, <laughs> to my health benefits, every single thing, up until the last time I... I worked out where I negotiated three weeks of vacation, even though everybody else had two. I negotiated working from home half of the week, even though they didn't have a work from home policy. And I negotiated getting, you know, a MacBook Pro, which everybody was on Windows in the company. <laughs> That's amazing. Negotiation Master. And then now in business, you know, negotiation is, you know, we're doing brand partnerships. It's asking for what we think we're worth, you know, what I think the business is worth. And a lot of times it's similar to when you're asking for more a job in a career because you have to have those conversations and you have to be confident. And so for me, those are some of the things that you know I've done. I just ask for more of everything. Totally. The work
0: it's so I can so relate to your experience because I too took my first 50K job out of school, grateful to just have any job, didn't negotiate a thing. Realized quickly that negotiation and increasing your earnings is not like a selfish thing. It's not a bougie thing. It's an essential thing to make sure you're doing what you can to pursue justice, especially when you find out that others are making more than you. And then as an entrepreneur making that switch, I feel like I. I negotiate every single day now. So tell us a little bit more about your amazing organization, your business, your online community, Clever Girl Finance. What is it all about? What made you start it? Yeah. So we are an online
1: education <clears throat> platform for women and we focus on empowering women to make the right decisions in order to achieve their financial goals and live, live life on their own terms. And we do this through content courses, you know, content like podcasts and blog posts and videos and then courses on our platform. And we also give our members access to be able to schedule time to have one-on-one conversations with our Cleverwell Finance mentors. And I started Cleverwell Finance out of just thinking back now, I was in this space where I was working at my job. I loved my job, but I was feeling like, you know, a gap in my life. And it was around I had Mm. just had my twin. So I would also say it was a little bit of postpartum depression there.
0: (laughs) yeah feeling
1: all kinds of emotions the ladies who are listening you know how you know what that is about yeah I just wanted to do something that mattered something that meant something like I imagined myself telling my kids what I did and I was like would they care that I was you know a tech consultant
0: (laughs) versus doing something different money coming it's so funny I call this the mama bear effect in negotiation because I feel like if you get clear on what you're making a change in your career about, or who you are trying to make proud, what earning more or what changing your career path would mean to your loved ones, your family or kids, with the arrival of a, of a child, so many women I know get way more bullish and less nervous or less sheepish about asking for more. I think it's actually a very profound identity shift that can help women negotiate unapologetically.
1: Yeah, you know, and even if you have the nerves when you do that, once you do it one time and then you just have that mental picture in the back of your head, the next time you do it, listen, you're not even going to care how anybody else feels.
0: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, so
0: true.
1: So as a result of that, I started you know, a blog, clever finance to share my experience with money, how I was investing, how I was saving money, and also to share other women's stories. And it grew from there over time because my friends are always asking me, well, you're always talking about investing. You're always talking about savings. Um, What can we do? How do we do this? And I was like, I should just start something because all I do all the time is either talk about money or plan money or think about money. So that's how criminal finance was born in very high level summer.
0: Yeah, I mean, I totally get it. I remember we featured you at Bossed Up Bootcamp a couple of years back, which was such a For delight sure. in New York. Um, and I just remember hearing about your story growing up, too, and what a profound history your family history meant so much to you in, in terms of what you were doing here. Can you expand upon that as well?
1: Yeah, you know, my family history is is something that I, I really hold near and dear to me. So I'll start with my mom. My mom, you know, got married very young at 19 and she didn't have a college education. She was a high school graduate and my dad was much older. So obviously when they got married, he was the breadwinner. And my mom just didn't know anything about the finances. But then as she started to, you know, mature in her marriage and have kids and see her friends going through divorces or losing spouses, and have no idea about the family finances, she decided that she didn't ever want to find herself in that position. So she chose to go back to school and get a degree and start to become, you know, an income earner. And eventually at some point in in, in the marriage, my mom had to become the breadwinner because my dad went Mm. through a financial downturn. And just thinking back prior to that, you know, I come from a family where, you know, my grandmother Was not formally educated. She, you know, on both sides, they did not read or did not write. Uh, My dad Mm. is a twin and he has a twin sister. My dad has multiple PhDs, a master's degree, super, super extraordinarily educated. (laughs) (laughs) Her did not get a primary education. So she's also not formally educated. That's my aunt. She does not read and she doesn't write either. And this is because my grandfather did not believe in educating a female child, right? Back then. Right. And so just knowing that you know like there's this involuntary limitations that have been placed on you know women in my generations because they haven't had the same opportunity for me it's even more important to show my daughter the way my mother showed me that if I put my mind to something I have the potential to have a big
0: impact that is so true One of the things I wanted to talk about today is how gender still today can be such a social construct as it relates to money and earnings. So I wanted to ask you a bit about women breadwinners today, because part of... The pressure to earn more stems from what's known as provider pressure, which men have historically shouldered for a long time. That pressure of, I need to provide for my family. That is why I need to earn more. And perhaps has been very limiting and constraining for men who want to make a career change, but feel like they can't. Otherwise they risk their masculinity Mm -hmm. from, you know, not being a good provider. But today, according to Pew Research, and actually this is from 2017, Almost a third of married and cohabitating couples in the United States, amongst them, women bring in half or more of the earnings. So women are breadwinners in a third of those households, and that number is growing radically. But the social pressure to provide is still squarely falling on men's shoulders because 71% of adults say it's really important for a man to be able to support his family financially, but only 32% say the same about women. What is your take on that? And, and the women you hear from in your community, like how is provider pressure showing up as these demographic changes around breadwinning changes?
1: I mean, so those stats definitely make sense that, you know, women are making a third because when you look at you know, if you look at maybe our generation, maybe our mother's generation, depending on the age of the listener, women are graduating colleges at record paces, they're opening business at right. paces, so it makes sense that they now have this potential to earn money, and um, as a result, they are out there earning money, <laughs> Right. <laughs> the gender wage gap, despite the investment gap, and all that stuff, and now they're contributing to their households, so that absolutely makes sense. In terms of, you know, the pressure that men feel, I think sometimes they feel that pressure because if they're not working what else are they doing right they are not happy yes <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We hold makers, even though in certain, you know, families that may be the instance, a lot of those roles shift. But, you know, for women in the community that we're in, you know, a lot of the women are single women or single mothers, or they've gone through divorces, or they've lost spouses. And there's this point where they feel like they don't want to have to have this reliance on a man, right, to determine what their future is going to be like. And some of them have had to go through really difficult situations to really get themselves in good financial standing or get on the path to get to good financial standing. Like it may have been a divorce that left them really in a poor state or something like that. And so I think women are just in this space where they're making money and they want to be able to take ownership. But I think the challenge that we're facing is that if you look at just traditional structure historically and we think about our grandmothers and again maybe some of our mothers depending on the age you know and you look at the traditional family structure back then even if you see it in the movies all the time The dinner table, the men are there talking to their sons about business. Once dinner's over, the moms or the daughters clear up the dishes, they go to the kitchen, they talk about recipes and homemaking. Those are the traditional roles. But now, you know, we've come into this space where the shift has happened so fast, where this generation, a lot of us (laughs) are making more money than our grandmothers and our mothers.
0: Oh, for sure. But then the, the the real challenge, the drama is when we're making more money than our men. Yeah. And, and obviously this is super heteronormative and this is super, you know, not inclusive of the women you just named, which is really important to acknowledge women who are widowed or divorced or raising families on their own for whatever reason. But the gender dynamics here are what fascinates me the most because, I remember when Brad was, my husband, Brad the Boo, was like unapologetically bragging about my earning power to his friend, his like high school friend, who then said, you've got yourself a sugar mama there. And it was a little like, a little poke, you know, a little wink, but it was almost like he did not know how to process, you know, what was being shared with him. And I just wonder over the course of the years, you said that to me previously, you've been the breadwinner in your family in the past. You were so pregnant when we were at Boston bootcamp. We thought you were going to deliver at any moment. That's so funny. Okay. So you were pregnant with twins, hot damn. So you've got a household full of people providing, you know, that you're providing for and you and your partner are providing for. How has that relationship changed as your earnings relationship has changed over the years? Tell us about that.
1: In my relationship I married to a really great guy where, you know, he didn't have this problem with me <laughs> being a at the time because, you know, he was still in school. So it was never it was never a complicated part of our relationship was never like even a conversation piece because we we're both okay mm. with it. Like, there was no, you know, even though I, there were instances where I'd had people tell me, Well, you know, you're making more money than your husband. You don't want to let it get to your head. And, and going back to what was oh, doing about, you know, God. the moms taking their daughters to the kitchen to talk about homemaking, it's like aunt, aunties. I, I know women who have aunties and moms who have that mentality about women are homemakers and they will tell their daughters, Oh, listen, you know, you're the breadwinner now. You don't want this to last too long or just don't disrespect your husband because you're making more money than him. Don't let it get to your head. You know? So it's like, <laughs> that kind of right. stuff. yeah. So for us, there was no issue around that. Like my husband, like, you know, if, if I built a unicorn today, he would retire and live off of the money and be happy <laughs> and tell to
0: your mama, right. and that's
1: perfectly fine.
0: You know, I love Ali Wong's stand up about this. She did in her, one of her Netflix specials, Hard Knock Mm -hmm. Wife. She had just the best lines about this. She says that she's removed the pressure to provide from her husband's shoulders. And she goes on to say, my mom is very concerned that my husband is going to leave me out of intimidation. And I had to explain to her that the only kind of man that would leave a woman who makes more money is the kind of man that doesn't like (laughs) free money. (laughs) And Brad and I were just cracking up watching this and thinking, why is this still such a point of contention? You know what I mean? Like, why is this still such a thing? And I just wonder, as you're counseling women in your community to get their financial lives together, do you ever run into that? Do you ever run into like fear of out-earning husbands because I still do, and it it always shocks me all the time. Yeah, you know, oh God,
1: <laughs> there are lots of women who do not it's want to be more than their husbands. They don't want to, or their partners. They don't want to hurt the pride. They don't want their family to think. You know, they're trying to act any kind of way. I have been told by a former friend of mine, a former acquaintance of mine. <laughs> You know, one of my coworkers who was my friends who was like, I could never marry a woman than you because you're too ambitious and I would never allow my wife to make more money than me. And I was like, You know how limiting that you, how limiting you sound? Like that is you know what you and your mm. spouse can do together financially if you're on the same page, regardless of who is making what? like yeah. but to him it was like no it was a pride thing so there's, there is fear about it and I think so for a lot of people you know we're, we're laughing about it for a lot of people this causes a lot of serious issues in a relationship especially if the guy that they're dating or married to was raised where he his yeah. whole life is about shouldering that burden of providing for his family and there are some there's some guys who right. are deadbeats they don't care who makes the money and there's some guys who really take that personal and take it to an extreme and when I say deadbeats I don't mean, yeah. um,
0: <laughs> I, mean like, <laughs> I know it's pretty easy to like, it's pretty easy yeah. to overgeneralize yeah. in this conversation. It'll, I can hear the hate mail coming in as yes, we it.
1: record. Just to clarify, yeah. like i talking about ones who are not there caring for families or just thrown all the responsibilities to the wind are like, and are out in the world. That's what I
0: mean. <laughs> Not the good guys. Totally. <laughs> it's also important, I think to acknowledge that like these gender expectations, these gender role expectations are harmful for all of us. Like the man who says, Oh, I would never <laughs> let my wife out on <laughs> me. Is matched by the woman who says, Oh, I would never want to out earn my husband. And I'm, you know, we're not trying to throw shade at you if that's what you feel, because I run into that all the time. But I do want to question that assumption and and say, Where do you think that's coming from? If 71% of us, regardless of gender, think men should be earning more. This is a universal problem that leaves men who can't earn more or don't earn more feeling bad and leaving women who do earn more feeling bad. It's exactly. just a recipe for not being a team. And what you said about teaming up with a partner who's on the same page is so, so key. Tell me more about that.
1: For me and my husband, regardless of who is the breadwinner, our goals are things that we talk about all the time, the things that we want. not to- ourselves for our children Mm. that comes first before oh i make more money than you know you make more money than you know this is going to cause issues no you know like who do you think you are that kind of stuff like that's like that it's besides the point we just want to focus on our goals and what we want to build together as a team and we know that two heads are better than one and we know that when we're working on it together we can accomplish so much more than if we're focused on working on it individually so i think you know in, in the dynamic of a relationship i think that Even if you're in a space where you and your partner are not on the same page about you being the breadwinner, I think you guys can come to that agreement and come to that space where it's okay if you guys are able to build in communication and talk about your goals and the things that you want to accomplish and make each other realize that who, who is making the most money is secondary, right? So I have a friend who she is the breadwinner and her husband is a stay at home mm-hmm. dad. He's fine with it. And he mm. at some point, he was the breadwinner and she was a stay-at-home mom. But the way the opportunity presented in themselves to yeah. them, her income, the job that she got or through the business she started, the income she was earning would triple anything that he was going to bring home. And he was like, you know what? I'm all for it to do this until our kids go to college. And while I am home taking care of the kids, I'll also be work- working and managing the back end of the business, right? So, so it doesn't... I just feel right. like we need to... I think I also think a lot of times it boils down to how we're raising our kids. Like girls do this and boys do that. Then Right. To be, right as we, totally. This generation is changing so much. We've changed. Our kids are changing. We need to be able to present equal opportunities to everybody and say, okay, you know, you're totally. you all can make money.
0: And I also think it's interesting that there's this kind of contradiction between all this drama around breadwinner status even though women breadwinners are increasingly becoming quite normal and quite the norm. And then there's the realities that finances are tight for most American families mm-hmm. and most households. So why aren't we trying to maximize our earnings? You know, And maybe we are, maybe I'm, maybe I'm reading the data wrong. Like in a world where making good money is still difficult, like we should all be free from gendered expectations to do all we can to maximize our earnings. I want my husband to negotiate like hell just as much as I want to negotiate like hell. You know what I mean? I, I want all of us to feel like it does not make us a bad woman or wife or partner or whatever to ask for more and to try to maximize our earnings because of what it can do for our lives and our families' lives too.
1: But you, you know what's unfortunate about that, you know, is that sometimes despite the efforts that we make, the people on the other side, the boss that's sitting there, the financial planner that's sitting there are the ones right. that just feel bad, right? I've, I've had instances where one particular instance that really riled me up where I went to a financial planner to talk about investing earlier on. And he listened to everything I had to say. I talked about goals and objectives and this and that. And he was like, where is your husband? Where did you get this money?
0: Oh, my God.
1: And I've, I've had instances up until very recently about my business up until last year, because this is a brand new year, 2019, where I sat on the other side of a table and talked to, you know, other business people or like investors, just protect, like... Introductions for like mentorship and i've been told well you know what does your husband think about what you're doing yeah do women care about finances like my wife is a cfo and she doesn't care about money i've been i've got an email saying like is the reason why you focus on women is because men are so much smarter than you so jesus what other- <laughs> yes Yes. I'm going to save that email and
0: frame it. I'm going to frame it, I mean. Yeah. There's so much hate out there too. I think, I mean, we need to do more episodes on the changing nature of masculinity, <laughs> but like, there's just so much insecurity. The backlash is going to be inevitable, right? It is
1: going to be. So I think for us, given there's all these, you know, you might be on the same page with your partner, but there's right external factors that are working against you that are like, what do you mean you want to be like, you're going to make money or you're making all this money. Who do you think you are as a woman? And I think mm. the biggest thing we can do for ourselves is start to develop that confidence and building that thick skin where we don't allow what one person does phase us yes. that we get to a point where we don't ask again. Totally. You know, I think that's really, really important at the end of the day for, for women, especially women in that space. Some women, you know, they're
0: striving to make more money so they can leave a bad relationship. Yeah. The F off fund, yeah. which I will link to. Yeah. Tanya Rapley was on talking about that a couple years ago and i will definitely link to that as well because that is so important money is power money is freedom money is not is not evil i mean it can be used for evil but it is a tool that can also be used for freeing yourself i think that ties back to what you mentioned earlier which i think is so important to underscore which is women as girls are rarely raised with those you know dinner table conversations where if men are the ones who have historically managed the finances, they're coaching their sons rather up on how to manage money and not their daughters. So if you're a 35 year old woman listening to this and you think, Oh shit, I don't know the first thing about getting my financial life together. Don't feel bad. Don't feel guilty. It's not your fault. There's a ton of societal conditioning and expectations that have led us to being uneducated and and less likely to be educated around this. So What do you think, Bola, are the first things that a woman in that situation can do to make 2020 the year she gets her financial life together?
1: Honestly, there's so many resources to help you get into that space where you just start to build wealth and get your finances in order and get confidence about negotiation. I'm a huge, you know, first thing I would say is I'm a huge fan of just getting your head in the game mindset, like getting you know, setting the intention within yourself that, okay, I don't know what I don't know, but I know mm. what I want to accomplish. And you can do this with affirmations. You can do this with meditation, with prayers. You know, you can pick up books on mindset, watch videos on mindset, write down the things that you want to be true for your life and know that, okay, these are the things I'm going to focus on. And I'm, I'm ready for this. I'm ready for this journey. I'm ready to like, you know, just focus on what I need to do. So once you get your head in the game, next thing is you want to forgive yourself. Like we've all made a ton of mistakes. Yeah. Like, you know, You may have had opportunities to negotiate where you didn't. You may have had instances where you wasted money. You loaned money to, you know, somebody who, a boyfriend, a partner who just didn't appreciate and never paid back, whatever. Forgive yourself for those mistakes. Take the lessons and say, okay, these are the hideous things that have happened with my finances, with my negotiation or non-negotiation skills that I know I never want to happen again. What did I learn and how can I apply this going forward? And then once you do that, set out your goals, your financial goals, the things you want to accomplish, your career goals, and then start to educate yourself. Knowledge is power. Read articles, take courses, blog posts, videos, podcasts like this one. There's so much resources. And then, you know, for people who are in that space, like you said, Emily, that we're not raised talking about money right because maybe their mothers didn't teach or maybe their parents just completely excluded all the
0: kids from the conversation because they felt they were right <laughs> um, or maybe your parents don't know how to manage their finances just hypothetically speaking
1: <laughs> I didn't no either because they were also excluded from the conversation right children are yeah seen not heard <laughs> get out of here <laughs> type of thing for example but <laughs> but you know For you, I want you to take it upon yourself to change that narrative for your own children. So as you are learning about finances and if you have kids, call your kids over and say, hey, listen, five-year-old, come, let's figure out this budget for groceries this week. Because as you learn, they learn too. And they can grow and, you know, have this knowledge that you are only just getting now and you set them up for success, which is what we all want for our kids. Right, so right. You learn A lot of people feel like, oh, well, I don't know it yet. so I can't teach my children, but you can teach them as you're learning. You can learn together and make it an experience together.
0: And what a powerful lesson that is to show your kids that, hey, I don't know everything and I'm learning and growing too. And that's OK. And, you know, money isn't something to be scared of. It's something to get clear on. I think that's that's really powerful. I'm going to make some plugs for you because you didn't. And I have to share some of the brilliant resources that you've been creating. First is or Clever Girls Know, right? Yeah. The Clever Girls Know podcast, a podcast for women on all things money. Check it out. I'll link to it in sh- today's show notes. That's Bola's podcast where you can find lots of resources and episodes on things like how Cindy paid off 215K in student loans. <laughs> how to talk to your partner about money, all this good stuff that you're creating, I want our listeners to know about. And tell us about your book because in the last year, I want to say, you came out with a new book. I want to learn all about that. And who's it for?
1: Yeah, so... The book is called Clever Girl Finance, Ditch Debt, Save Money, and Build Real Wealth. And this book is really for everyone, even though it's focused on women. But, you know, I've had a lot of men reading this. But it is for anyone who's ready to just take control of their finances and start off with a, flesh, with a fresh slate, a clean slate, and just start to make differences for their current and for their future selves. I go through everything that you need to understand in order to build a good financial life for yourself and achieve financial wellness. So I'm really... You You know, proud of this book. I put my heart into it. It's it's the book that you know, my twenty-four-year-old Bola. If I had, I would have negotiated
0: that first salary. You know, (laughs) I love that. I think that's what we all write books for, right? Is our past selves, and writing a book is not an easy feat. So, congratulations on that achievement and. You know, Clever Girl Finance is chock full of resources. So I think your point is well taken. Get your head in the game. If getting your financial life together, is important to you in 2020, we've got to look at both what's coming in and what's going out. Get your spending under control if that's where the problems may be stemming from. Let's, you know, slay some debt if that's what's freaking you out. But one of the best ways you can get your financial life together is to earn more and make a commitment to earning more this year, whether it's through side hustles, like our very first guest of the year, Melanie Lockhart, who shared how she slayed debt through side hustling her way out of 80 plus K of student debt, or negotiating, ask for more bossed up can help right we're here to help you. That is so, so important. What are your money goals for this year, Bola, if you're willing to share?
1: My money goals are to grow my business revenue. And, you know, one of the big priorities my husband and I have is supporting our kids through college, which is what my parents did for me. And, you know, just meeting our savings goal for them this year. Another financial goal my husband and I have is to do some additional investing, including investing in other businesses and in real estate. So we have some challenging goals ahead of us. We, we wrote them down and we started laughing to each other. We're like, ha, ha, ha this is a joke, right? But we're going to it down.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's pretty amazing. You know, it, it is amazing what you can do when you team up with someone you love, when you are, you know, when you approach it like a team mentality and write down some really audacious visions for yourself. Brad and I have been doing couples goals, couples resolutions every year for about four years now. And looking back, it is it, it makes my jaw hit the floor when I think of how much progress we've made just in the recent years. Like there's been an acceleration of progress. So that is what yeah. I want for all of our listeners. And I love how you're leading the way with your story, with your candor and with your support. Thank you, Emily. That's I appreciate it. Where can our listeners... I mean, I told them about the podcast. Let me say, I, we need one last good, solid answer to land on here. So Bola, one last question for you. What is the financial advice that you wish you heard Ten years ago, that you want to make sure everyone listening knows is a priority for them.
1: This time, ten years ago, I was coming out of saving over a hundred thousand dollars. I was on a savings like high. I was saving a ton of money from my job, from my side hustle, from everything I was doing. And I wish I could go back and tell myself to not feel like I deserve to reward myself like a
0: crazy person. <laughs> Okay, wait a second. You can't drop that into my last question of this interview. And just we can't end on that. We need to know exactly how that happened. Okay, take us back. How the hell did you do that? And you were in New York City, if I recall, and that's the area you're in. So you sucked away 100k. You got to tell our listeners how you did that. (laughs)
1: <laughs> i was working in new york in new jersey and you know this was a time around this was when i got that first job of fifty four thousand dollars, you know when i was about 24 25 ish and i just thinking about my family history thinking about my mom where we came from i wanted to you know just make my parents proud that was my biggest priority at the time and I didn't know anything about money yeah. when I graduated from college because my parents are immigrants different system so I just started reading books and I contributed to my employers 401k I saved every raise every bonus I you know got I was really lean and mean with my budget I was eating lunches at work running through you know walking through the hallway seeing who was retiring who was having a baby shower I'm like congratulations I I'll take the free lunch. I'll take the free this. I'll take the free that. (laughs) And side hustle as a wedding planner yes. for that earned me a good amount of money. And I saved every raise I got every single year. And I just really hustled to save that money between my retirement accounts, cash savings, money I was getting from my business. And so once I got to the other side of that saving, I got excited about having money and wanting to buy designer handbags. And so as opposed to saving so aggressively, I started saving a little less every now and then to buy a handbag And there's nothing wrong with handbags because I still love handbags today. I have some nice designer handbags. However, I was not using these bags. They were sitting in my closet like trophies. And one day, my boyfriend, who's not my husband, came into my closet and he's like, first of all, these bags are hideous. (laughs) And this is a waste of your money, girl. So it took me, I love those bags, but I realized it was like money sitting in my closet turning to dust. And so to sell them and luckily for me I got right. a lot of my money back some bags I sold more than I paid but I wish so Bola older Bola Damn. told younger Bola listen buy one bag and get over yourself and keep it moving saving and stop reducing <laughs> your savings to buy a keep 10 bag you're not going to use
0: <laughs> that's funny I love that so how many years like what duration of time did it take you to get to a sum of 100k in saving it took me about three and a half years wow That's insane. That's wild. And what were you earning at the time at your day job? So when I started my day job, I was earning fifty-four thousand dollars
1: before taxes, which is about 40K after taxes. By the time I got to the three and a half years, I was making between... I can't remember the exact my life. Between it was either seventy-three or seventy eight thousand dollars from my job, which was like fifty-something dollars after taxes. But then right. started the side hustle. And my side hustle, the first year I made ten thousand dollars, paid taxes, yeah, more yeah. equipment. The second year I made thirty thousand dollars, paid taxes, bought more equipment. And then that really helped me
0: save additional. Um Right Right Like you said. <laughs> it's a good reminder too that like that increase in your day job salary is is a big part of the puzzle though yes so negotiating for more increasing your income through side hustles like it's all part of a plan to slay debt or stack your cash like wherever you're at it can be done and if you break down a crazy ambitious goal into a step-by-step plan like everything that we do here at pasta like whether it's a career goal or a money goal or whatever it can be figured out and you can get there faster than you think if you've got the right plan in place, but it has to do with earning more, right? That's a big part of it. Like
1: there's only so much of your expenses you can reduce because at the end of the day, you you have to sleep somewhere. You have to get to work. You need to pay for your car, transportation, whatever it is. You cannot like you get to a point where you can't go any lower, right? With your expenses, Right. But if you can increase your income, there's no limit to how much money you can earn.
0: Right. So true. So, so true. Anyway, that's a great point to end on. Head to clevergirlfinance.com to learn more about Bola and her amazing story and her free resources there, as well as buy her book, y'all. Support female authors. I'm a big fan (laughs) of that philosophy. Spend money on books and you will get a return on that investment. And check out her podcast, The Clever Girls Know Podcast. Bola, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So I hope you enjoy this great conversation I had with Bola on all things related to female breadwinning and how you can up your earnings and why it's so important to be unapologetic about pursuing a bigger paycheck in 2020. To learn more about Bola and all of her great work, head to clevergirlfinance.com. And now it's time for this week's boss move of the week. Today, I'm featuring one of our fantastic members of the Bossed Up Courage community on Facebook named Bree, who shared recently, quote, I'm a consultant, a freelancer, and in the last few days, I've received three new project leads. But the big news is that I was offered a fantastic full-time job offer from my favorite client today. I'm taking it. Congratulations, Bri. That is wonderful. I think dancing in between full-time employment and freelancing is actually a really smart move that so many of us should take at some point in our careers because it teaches you the fundamentals of entrepreneurship and making something out of nothing. It teaches you how to be value oriented, value driven in all of your work throughout the course of your career. So that even when you're a full-time employee, again, like it sounds like you're headed to, you know what it takes to keep your boss happy because you've known for a while now what it takes to keep clients happy. Congratulations. It must be one hell of a job offer if it's pulled you away from running your own business. And hopefully you still retain the right and flexibility to pursue, you know, side hustle work if you so choose. I'm cheering you on. Congratulations and way to win yourself into the heart and onto the payroll of your best client. Congrats. All right, boss. I want to hear from you. What did you think about our conversation today? Are you a female breadwinner? How does that go down in your family finances or in your interpersonal relationships? Are you the only breadwinner in your household? Are you not the breadwinner in your household? Have you been in the past but aren't today like Bola? How has this dynamic manifest in your life? Feel free to weigh in in the comments section in today's corresponding blog post, bossuporg episode 194, or call in your response via the Bossed Up podcast hotline. I want to share your voice in response to these episodes on an upcoming one. And I'm always looking for more career conundrums to unpack here on the podcast and Boss Moves to share. So call into the podcast hotline now at 910-668-BOSS or 2677. If you found today's conversation enlightening, interesting, inspiring, controversial, or just something you want to talk about with the rest of your friends and fam online, definitely take a moment to share this on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you chat it out. I'd love to hear from you. Tag me at Emily Aries or at boss.org. And I can't wait to master the art of negotiation with a few of you on this week's Intimate, intense, in depth live negotiation workshop that I'm hosting on Wednesday this week, January 22nd, tomorrow. There are really only a few spots left because we are capping attendance to make sure that you get FaceTime with yours truly, that you get your personal questions asked and answered, and that you and I have time to really workshop your specific negotiation situation together. Learn more at slash negotiation live. Thanks for listening. Let's keep Boston in pursuit of our purpose, and together we'll lift as we climb.